What's wrong with you people? Welcome to Not Another Baptist Podcast, which is just like all the other Baptist podcasts. Kyle, how are you doing? Matt, I'm fantastic. Having a great week. How about yourself? I'm doing okay, and I'm glad that I'm not only seeing you, but also the good-looking Daniel Dickard from Friendly Avenue Baptist Church. How are you doing, Daniel? Hey, I'm doing great today. Guys, it's so good to be with you. I'm a listener to the podcast, so it's cool to be on this side of the desk this morning and able to participate. Our one listener is leaving after this one. We'll, we'll still, I think we'll still keep Dr. Queen, who's a mutual friend of there you all go. of us. Maybe he'll hang on. Uh, but I've got a question for both of y'all. Do y'all like free? I love free. Free, free yeah, is like good. Free. Of course. Well, we all have our degrees, so I don't know how impressive this is going to be for us, but there is a free spring preview day at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary coming up, and it is happening on April 8th, and we are thankful for our sponsorship with Southwestern and what God is doing on Seminary Hill, and if you are interested in a strong theological foundation for your future ministry service, we encourage you to check out Spring Preview Day on April 8th, and you can register today at swivets.edu forward slash preview. Did you like that transition, Kyle? What that was, that was great. Good. Yes. Was good. Yes. Hey, tell you what, if they'll if they'll feed me, I'll, I'll go for anything. Hey, I'll, yeah. I'll go for any free. I'll sign up for another thing. degree if they yeah. feed me, especially barbecue. <laughs> well, Daniel, tell us first about who you are. Some of our listeners will know who you are. You recently hired the worst music minister on planet Earth. Uh, my best friend, Aaron Ledford, and I don't know what you were thinking, even though I recommended him, but I'm glad and thrilled about that. But tell us who you are, maybe about your family, where you're serving, and maybe a short blip about what God is doing at Friendly Avenue. Yeah, I appreciate the question because it gets to the heart of uh, just what we're about serving the local church. Uh, so I pastor Friendly Avenue Baptist Church in Greensboro, North Carolina. Uh, Greensboro is located in the central part of North Carolina, a great church. Uh, and we have a wonderful staff here at Friendly Avenue. As you mentioned, uh, your friend Aaron Ledford just came on as our minister of music and worship. I've been at Friendly Avenue for four years. And before that, I was at Southwestern. I served in various roles there. Dean of Students, instructor of preaching, uh, received an MDiv and PhD from Southwestern Seminary. And my wife, Cassie, and I met in college. We've been married for 10 years and we have three children, Conrad, Kessid, and Carolina. And, uh, and so we love Southwestern. Matt, you and I were friends at Southwestern and just the great days there together and love what Dr. Greenway is doing there at the flagship seminary. And so um, Southwestern was a sweet time, but we're glad to be in North Carolina as the Lord is um, blessing here. In fact, we're in the process of uh, starting a house church network uh, with our church and also an international uh, church uh, planning. Our church has planted four international congregations, a Karen congregation, uh, which is a dialect, as you know, of Myanmar, Burma, a Cambodian congregation, a Hispanic congregation. And nearly 20 years ago, the church planted an Arabic congregation. And so there are over 200 language groups in the triad region. And our church is uh, involved in some of the international church planning work as well. Some, some really exciting things taking place at Friendly Avenue. So if we had Dr. Greenway on and we asked him where we would have to go 
to get some true Texas barbecue, he would probably say Cousins, which is up the road from Southwestern Seminary. Of course, I give him a hard time and say he would say whatever restaurant would put his picture in it. And Cousins does have his portrait. But still, if I was to go and visit you guys at Friendly Avenue, sell us on the spot to get some true Carolina barbecue. Yeah, that's a tough question because I still like Texas barbecue. Okay. So I have, not, there you I have not been sold on North okay. Carolina barbecue. If there are any North Carolina listeners today, don't crucify me over uh, this answer. Uh, I still like Heim barbecue in Fort Worth, Texas, in my opinion, the best location uh, in all of Fort Worth uh, for barbecue. Uh, but if I had to choose one, it would be Stamey's barbecue right across from the Greensboro Coliseum. It's a staple here in Greensboro, uh, but I'm still Texas barbecue you all the way. Well, that was a trick question, because if you said something about Carolina barbecue in the positive, we were just going to end the podcast at that. Uh, <laughs> instead, we can continue on as we talk about church together, the church of we in the age of me, which is a money title, Daniel. That is awesome. The church of we in the age of me. Church Together is a Christian leadership book designed to give pastors, church leaders, and church members a working plan to overcome the greatest underlying threat to the church today. Kyle, non-alcoholic beerman. No, individualism. <laughs> and, uh, and so we're going to talk about that a little bit today as we highlight this book. Uh, the last couple of weeks, but we've been highlighting some kind of key books that we believe would be helpful in our pastor listener and our church member uh, listener, kind of their toolboxes, you know, the stressless life or, uh, you know, shepherding like Jesus we did last week. And I think I can speak for Kyle to say that we are intrigued by the title. We love the title, The Church of We in the Age of Me. And so will you tell us more about what you mean by the church of we? Yeah, you know, the title gets to the heart of the book. So the premise of the book is the greatest underlying threat in the church today is me-centered individualism. The me mindset uh, that rules the spirit of this age stands in direct opposition to the we-centered mindset of a cross-centered community. You know, I think of in the Gospels and even in Paul's writings, uh, you know, Paul said that I'm crucified with Christ. Jesus said to take up your cross and follow me. But individualism says take up your cause and follow self. And so at the beginning of the book, if the greatest underlying threat to the church truly is me-centered individualism, that I juxtapose the difference between the church of me and the church of we. Uh, the church of me is about a factory with efficiency and effectiveness, numbers driven, very pragmatic and consumeristic in its approach. Whereas the church of we is about a family, but it's more than just a family. It's a family that is on mission. And it's interesting because as you begin to study the church of me, we know that sin has always impacted this world since Genesis 3, and man has continued to move east of the Garden of Eden. But the current expression of the Church of Me can really be founded to the 1600s. And so I trace the history of the Church of Me. Uh, for example, in the 1600s, you had a thinker uh, that I think, therefore, I am. All right. And so in the 1600s, you know, the really the idea was this idea of self-authority. 
But then you move into the 1700s and you know that's the period of the Enlightenment. And so really the key theme for the Enlightenment was uh, self-expression. But the opposite of self-expression is self-rejection. We then move into the 1800s and we think of key thinkers like Karl Marx, uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson. You think of, uh, you know, others, Charles Darwin. Uh, and this idea was self-authority, uh, you know, self-reliance. And so you see this, uh, you know, progression from self-authority, self-expression to self-reliance. And you move into the 1900s, you have self-deification. And today we've come to the point of full-bore self-worship. And so this is the culture in which we live. I mean, it's really hard, uh, Matt, Kyle, to understand the world in which we live unless you know that people are coming at it from a me-centered mindset. So it shouldn't surprise us that the world comes at it from a me-centered approach. But what about for Christians? And so I began to, to trace how church leaders began to accept the church of me, her leaders, and also the church. And so Donald McGavern, the church growth movement, which from its inception was not a bad movement, but it was hijacked along the way. You didn't think of Bill Hybels, uh, Willow Creek Community Church, and you know he saw what Billy Graham was doing. And every week he wanted to put on a mass crusade of evangelism. And so the church became more of an attractional draw than a place where we make disciples. Uh, you add the seeker sensitive movement as well. And churches operate primarily from an attractional model rather than a disciple making model. Well, the church has accepted this as well because it was easy. Budgets were increasing. Attendance was increasing uh, numerical growth, uh, that there seemed to be signs of success. So we began to give the people what they want in the words of the OJs. But as you know, what the people want is not always what they need. And so we've done more than cater to the church of me. Really, the church uh, in its current expression, we built the church of me. And so I think that we're at this precipice moment where we have to determine how are we going to move forward if we're truly going to make a gospel impact in a society that's become more and more post-Christian. And I believe the way that we do that is to reject the church of me with its emphasis on self and to become a church of we, uh, the emphasis of a cross-centered community. That's great. Now, in in part one, you talk about what you call the three rotten fruits of individualism. Those are con consumerism, pragmatism, and then the extremes of legalism and liberalism. Um, so this is going to be a fun one. How are these issues negatively influencing the church today? How are you seeing that? I yeah. Thought, that before you answer that, I thought, as you said, three rotten fruits, I was thinking that was going to be Christopher Bart Barber, but <laughs> yeah, shout out to, to Bart Barber here. Uh, yeah. So if the greatest underlying threat truly is individualism, then let's look at the rotten fruits within the church of me. So I begin with consumerism. And this is the idea of the commodification of religion. Um, you know, today, everywhere in the United States uh, that you have products, products that we consume, uh, but the church was never intended to be a product that we consume, that church members were never to be customers, uh, but rather faithful followers of Christ. Uh, 
And so in, in chapter one, I deal with this idea of consumerism and, you know, ways that we know that consumerism has impacted the church is that the worship stage uh, has become a place where you uh, utilize your talents. Uh, it's a platform of success rather than an altar, an altar of obedience. Church members have become customers. Also, the gospel has been reduced to gimmicks. Uh, churches uh, see themselves in competition with one another. You know, earlier I mentioned Charles Darwin uh, on the origin of species. Uh, whereas most churches, all churches, uh, biblical ones at least, would reject Darwinism, uh, the survival of the fittest is a theme in many churches today. Churches see themselves as competitors rather than on the same team. And so we see these signs of consumerism in the church. In fact, that's one of the key points of that chapter is how to spot consumerism within the church. Well, another rotten fruit is pragmatism. Uh, pragmatism comes from the fuel of consumerism. And so I define pragmatism of this idea, if it works, then work it. Uh, so we have created a machine type of effect, the hamster wheel of success within our churches today. And the problem is that we oust the Holy Spirit. There's minimal reliance on the Holy Spirit. Prayer is ignored. Uh, the how-tos of ministry are more important than the how-tos of Scripture, uh, that we become very gimmicky in the way that we approach ministry. In fact, I say that one of the ways that you can tell if your church has fallen trapped to pragmatism, if your members were placed in another part of the world, could they make disciples who make disciples without prizes, programs, and pragmatics? And so we look at that issue of pragmatism and how it's impacting the church negatively. But then you move to the third rotten fruit, which I would say is legalism and liberalism. In fact, legalism is when preferences rise to the level of priority, and then liberalism is when uh, priority becomes a preference. So both of them have this impact, this idea of individualism. So I look at how legalism and liberalism impacts the church of me to try to expose some of the challenges that we face today in the church of me, but then we move to a better option, which is part two of the book, The Church of We. And in, in speaking of, in, in part two, you talk about the five relationships of surrender in the church of we. Can you talk about those uh, relationships? Yeah, so you know, we are made as relational beings. I think about what the Lord tells us to love him with all our mind, heart, soul, and strength, and then to love our neighbor as ourselself. And so I began to study, Matt, the various relationships that a believer possesses. In fact, I believe there are five major relationships that we possess in life. The relationship to self, our relationship unto God, the relationship to other believers, relationship to our family, and the relationship to the world. And so I began to study those relationships. And then what are the correlative values in the church related to those relationships? So we begin with self. Uh, Jesus said in the Garden of Gethsemane, Father, not my will, but your will be done. So how do we overcome self? What's well, through prayer? 
I also think about that relationship unto God, uh, that we accept God's word rather than the uh, ideologies of the day. Uh, so we become a church that's focused on Bible-centered worship. Well, what about our family? Uh, that we die for family at the altar of family ministry, not just passing off the spiritual responsibilities to church leaders and pastors, but rather moms and dads and, and grandparents who take up the mantle of investing in that next generation. They see the maturation and the betterment of their family as a call to disciple making. Well, what about the relationship to other believers? In fact, I say in the book, disciple making is an act of death to easy believism and casual Christianity. Uh, and we see a lot of casual Christianity today, but disciple-making is a cross. Disciple-making is a place where you die uh, to your conveniences, your comforts, so that others might live. And then you get to the area of the world. We die for the world at the altar of missions. So in part two of the book, I take these five values based on the five relationships, those values being prayer, Bible-focused worship, the family, discipleship, disciple-making, and missions, and how each of those values should be emphasized within the church of we so that we can move from the church of me to the church of, of we. Awesome. Uh, one, one question I, I noticed is, Daniel, this is really long. All right, in go fact, for it. In fact, you can fit 3.8 copies of replanting rural churches in church together. Our, our book is about <laughs> 70 pages long. This one is about 10 million. I'm just kidding. It's 300 pages. But in it, though, you have, of course, your, your content. You also have uh, some, some kind of questions that you've given several people. And this isn't just a moment for you to mentioned that one of them, of course, is your dear friend, uh, Matt Hensley. Uh, but tell us about that specifically, because it's helping us kind of put some, some kind of teeth and some flesh on, on some of what you have written in the, 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 the main part of the book. Yeah. So at the end of the book that you have pastors, leading scholars, practitioners who share some of the same concerns about consumerism, pragmatism, liberalism, legalism, also these five values in the church of we. And so there are some great excerpts at the back of the book. Uh, yours was very good. In fact, uh, because I'm on your podcast today, I'll tell you, yours was the best. <laughs> uh, you, you, you don't so you don't have to say that you, just because you're on here you, you don't have to you don't have to blow Kyle. smoke at matt That's shut up Kyle. shut up Kyle. <laughs> am, am i the leading scholar that you listed like pastors practitioners leading am i the leading scholar that's the question i need to know like i well, don't update so, my business card leading so, scholar so, matt hensley let, let me share some of those who are on that list and then i'll answer uh you have dr david allen uh, from okay, Southwestern Seminary. <laughs> uh, uh, Josh Revis, uh, many of you know Josh uh, from the wrestling pastor, Josh Revis. Uh, Andrew Abair uh, wrote one. Steve Gaines, Matt Brunson, Stephen Rummage, Matt Queen, uh, but then Matt Hensley. And so, uh, no, I'm not going to lie. One of these on things is not like the others. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm not going to lie on the podcast today. And so, Matt, yours was very good, but I'm not going to say that yours was the leading scholar, uh, <laughs> but yours was very good. By the way, O.S. Hawkins wrote the Ford as well. And uh, his two-page Ford is worth the price of the book. He did an incredible job in the, in the Ford. So I want to thank uh, Dr. Hawkins for his contribution to the book as well. Uh, hey, and I noticed as you were reading those off, we, we've had most of those guys on the podcast at one point or another. But, but I would like to say, leading, back, back to my potential as a leading scholar, uh, not another heresy, uh, my volume or our volume on the non-heretical illustrations of the Trinity is actually longer than the extent of the atonement. It is also heavier and taller and wider too. So it, it depends on how one would define leading scholar. So I'm still going to put it on my business card. If nothing more, you know, hey, use the first uh, 298 pages uh, for toilet paper, but the last <laughs> part of the book uh, with uh, the other authors and contributors, uh, they did a great job and just helping to bring out from another perspective some of these challenges that we face today in what I've called the church of me. Awesome. Well, Daniel, I do appreciate the opportunity to kind of bust your chops just a little bit on that last part. I am still going to update my business. I might even change my like my Twitter handle to at leading scholar uh, MSH or something like that, that might be available. Uh, but before Kyle kind of sends us out and, and shares where we can find the book, that kind of deal, tell us where people can find you. You are one of the most encouraging follows on Twitter, social media, that kind of thing. Tell us where we can find you on the social media. Yeah, so the social media handle on Twitter is at Daniel Dickard, uh, or you can find me on Facebook as well. Also, you could go to churchtogetherbook.com, and then you can link over um, if you don't know how to spell the name. And so churchtogetherbook.com, you can link over to the social media sites, and uh, and I'd love to connect with some of the listeners on this podcast. And I, I know this book was released at the end of January, so tell our listeners uh, where they can find it currently. He just told you, Kyle. <laughs> well, yes, churchtogether.com, but I mean, is, is it available <laughs> in stores? Yeah. Yeah, great question. So you can find it at churchtogetherbook.com or on Amazon. It's on Barnes and Noble, Christianbook.com, eBay, other retailers. Um, that, I've already uh, that put you my copy as well. on eBay. <laughs> <laughs> Matt's so encouraging. He reads it and then resells them. That's, That's what right. He I, I autograph my section and just put autograph copy on eBay because I don't know if it's your autograph or who's. So I just do it. I'm just kidding. Uh, that's why the, the, the sales prices are going so well. We have the leading scholars autograph, Matt Hensley. <laughs> that's exactly not it. Uh, so thank you for coming on, Daniel. We're praying for you there in Friendly Avenue. And we hope this book would be an encouragement to, to you if you're a pastor or a lay leader in your church. Uh, maybe something that your staff can go through or, you know, something along the, the lines of some intentional discipleship that you're doing. There's a whole lot of practical help in here. And it really does, as Daniel said, get to that underlying threat in the church today, the individualism, and uh, just have one business meeting. And you can find out that that may just be a threat in your church when you try and change something. So this is a great book for you to grab and encourage you to pick it up. Kyle, send us out. Thanks for listening today, Daniel. Thanks for being on. And until next time, may your coffee be as black as night and as bold as the gospel you declare.
Thanks for joining us today at Not Another Baptist Podcast. We're also grateful for our sponsors, the Christian Standard Bible, who present the truth of God's Word with accuracy and clarity for today's readers, equipping them for lifelong discipleship. It's a Bible you can teach from with confidence and a Bible you can share with your neighbor hearing God's Word for the very first time. The CSB, accurate, readable, shareable. Visit csbible.com for more. What's wrong with you people?